And uh, so you're ready for a time of studying the Word of God. We're going to look in First uh, Samuel chapter 17, very familiar passage. It's a passage that deals with David and Goliath. And I was putting a message together uh, this afternoon, and I got thinking, I hope Pastor Petrozello is not uh, preaching to the kids on, on uh, David and Goliath, but praise God, we had something else that going there. So we're going to the title of the message, Faith and Five Stones. Faith and Five Stones, out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. While you're opening up there, I'll just mention a couple of things for you. Remember to go on our website, ocbcministries.org, and click on the tab at the top. It says Our Church. You can scroll down to the bottom of that uh, list. That'll be there, and you'll see our prayer sheet. And uh, be sure to get that prayer sheet and be praying for the folks. Uh, It's very serious that we take that time to go to God and intercede for one another at the throne of grace. Uh, I'd like for you to add to that prayer sheet, if you will. I got it on, uh, someone let me know this afternoon, um, uh, Esmerado de Jesus. And if you could pray for him, he just recently went in the hospital. Uh, he's having problems with a distended stomach, and they got to do a CAT scan and all this, that, and the other, I guess, tomorrow. And so he's not feeling well at all. So uh, please be praying for him. That's Esmerado de Jesus, and we'd appreciate that. If you do have prayer requests that needed to be added to the prayer list, be sure to call the church, and we'll be glad to put them on or email us at uh, info at ocbcministries.org, and that would enable us to add uh, your special prayer request. And be sure to go through uh, that sheet uh, sometime tonight. And uh, the rest of the week, be praying for these folks each and every day. An update for this Sunday, uh, we are going to be observing communion, Lord's Supper, online live stream. And tomorrow, we're going to be going out and uh, passing out communion packs uh, with juice and wafers uh, to the church membership. We have several people that will be doing that, so you may get someone knocking on your door, and they'll leave a packet. We're not going to be coming in contact with you, but rather someone will stop by and drop that packet off at your doorstep or hang it on your door. And within that packet, there will be some juice and there'll also be some wafers in there so that we can observe the Lord's table together. We'll be doing that at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, and so... Prepare your heart for that as we uh, come together on Sunday to worship the Lord. Uh, We need to have a heart that's tender and ready to hear from God, especially as we gather around and observe the ordinance of the church, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, uh, reminding us of all that Christ did for us on Calvary when he died, shed his blood, and uh, set us free from the bondage of sin. And so we want to take that time to rejoice as we remember the sacrifice of Christ. If you come to our church and you're not a member or you're not in our membership directory, uh, then we didn't have a a name and an address for you. Uh, We tried to remember everybody that we could possibly uh, give the uh, communion pack out to. If you say, well, I'm not a member of the church, but I do go there regularly and I would like to observe communion with you, uh, be sure to call the church tomorrow and they'll add you on to the list, and we'll be sure to stop by your house and drop that off. Or what you could do is you could just stop over here to the church, and we have extra packs ready to go. 
and you could stop over to the church and pick up a pack, and that way you could go ahead and observe the Lord's table with us on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And so uh, what a precious time it is. I've been praying about opportunity for us to have the Lord's Supper together, and I think this will be a great time this Sunday as we celebrate and remember the crucifixion of Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And yea, it goes beyond that, his coming again. And so be sure to uh, let us know if you'd like to have communion with us uh, and you need to be added onto the list and we'll be glad to get you uh, what you need for that on Sunday. Well, 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 31, titled the message is Faith and Five Stones, uh, 1 Samuel 17 and 31. When the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he assailed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and uh, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came out, I'm sorry, and the Philistine came on and drew near to David and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about, he saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, 
that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all these, this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my, our hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose, he came and drew nigh to, David, to meet David, that David hastened and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, and he took thence a stone, and slang it, and smote the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sunk into the forehead, his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine, and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us the precious word of God. Uh, thank you so much for Pastor Petrozello's uh, message to us, Lord, about putting on the whole armor of God. Lord, it's amazing that they tried to put on the army of a war armor of a warrior uh, upon David, and it didn't work. It was not effective in David's life, but when he trusted in the living God, Lord, he had victory and he had power. And I'm thankful tonight, Lord, that we can put on the whole armor of God, not the armor of the flesh, not the armor of the world, not the armor of the devil, but we put on the whole armor of God. And so I pray that you give us faith to believe that our God is greater to be able to fight the battles for us and to give us victory as he did in the life of David. So Lord, give us faith to be able to see victory even with just five smooth stones. Bless us now as we study in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our text verses, verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou camest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And so faith and five stones. Everybody, I believe, that is listening tonight has heard some sermon on David and Goliath. Uh, certainly we as children would learn the story of David and Goliath, whether it be in Sunday school or whether it be junior church, or whether it be in vacation Bible school. Uh, I believe that every one of us have heard in some form, some way, a story about David and the Goliath. And so I'd like to focus on David's faith and the five smooth stones that he took in defense against this mighty warrior who stood against the people of Israel. And uh, there are some interesting things about faith recorded here in this chapter. First of all, in verse 40, tells us he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even in the script, and his sling uh, was uh, in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. I think it's very significant that he got five smooth stones. I heard one preacher years ago said the reason why he got five smooth stones was because the Goliath had four brothers, and he was going to take care of business with all four, five of them. Uh, but the reality is I think the reason why he got five stones is because numbers are important in the Bible. If you study numbers in the Bible, you'll find that the number five is the number of God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
The grace of God is sufficient uh, to meet every need that is in our life. And so as David goes to fight against Goliath, he, he, it is significant that he chooses five stones out of the brook. I was thinking when I was reading through the passage, well, why would he uh, choose five stones out of the brook? And I thought about the flow of the water of the Holy Spirit of God in us. Amen. Uh, he, was going, he was drawing stones that would show God's grace because of God's power that's able to move in our lives. But that's not in my notes. I just thought about it. I'd throw it in there. But uh, not even going to charge you for that one. That's a freebie. Amen. So number five is a number of God's grace. How do we know that? Because God brought living things or living beings into existence on the fifth day of creation. You go back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter verse, uh, verse 20 and 21. You see, it's the fifth day that living things are created. The amazing thing when God was dealing with Abraham that there were five animals that were slain when God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 9. You know, every time you see the number five being used, you see God's grace being extended in some way. Uh, we know the eastern outer veil of the tabernacle had five pillars, according to Exodus 26 and verse 37. Why? Because the only way to come into the tabernacle was through the way that God had provided, only one way. And the five pillars represent it's God through God's grace that man can come into the presence of God. We read in Isaiah chapter 9 in verse 6 that there are five names that are given to the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 9 in verse 6. In John chapter 6 in verse 9 we read that there were five loaves of bread that Jesus would use to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. And so over and over again, every time you see the number five being used in the scriptures, it is always in reference to the grace of God that has been released in an individual's life. And so David, I believe by direction of the Spirit of God, doesn't pick up one stone, he picks up five stones because he knows he's going to win the battle by the grace of God. Then in verse 49, it tells us, David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. And so just as important five stones he chose shows the grace of God and the way that he was going to approach this enemy was through God's grace. When it came to fight the battle and face the giant, he only needed one stone. Because the number one in the scripture speaks of the sovereignty of God. There is but one God. And because there is only one God, uh, then I, I really believe David chose just one stone. You know, it says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. It didn't say in the many, in the beginning, gods. It just said in the beginning, God. Right off the start from the word of God in the, in the beginning of Genesis, it establishes the personality and uh, sovereignty of an almighty God. Not only that, but we know the one stone, number one, I'm sorry, number one stands alone. One doesn't need anything else to support it. You can say, well, I need a number 10. Well, if you're going to get 10, you've got to have a one plus a zero. Zero doesn't stand by its own. 
the number one always stands by its own. Uh, you know, there's only one son. That's why John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it is important that it is said in the scriptures, the only begotten son, because that literally means that he, there is only one uh, that is the son of God. Uh, some, some translations will say, oh, well, God so loved the world that he gave his son. No, he gave his only begotten son. Because number one always represents the sovereignty of God and the singleness of God found in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, that means one always establishes one way of salvation. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the sovereignty of God is manifested in the only begotten Son of God because it establishes the only way to get to God is only one way. And so in our story, we read of David picking up five smooth stones, but when it came to fight the enemy, he only needed one stone, and that was God to be on his side and fight the battle for him. When we have fear, what we have, we have a fearful and trembling Israel as the Philistines are confronting them. We have a fearful, trembling Israel that is a faithless people who believe in a God but do not have victory because of a weak faith. Because Israel may have been weak and fearful of the Philistines, but their God is not defeated. They may not be able to see themselves entering into a position of victory, but God's going to give the victory irregardlessly. And so we have a fearful, trembling Israel, a faithless people who believe in God, but do not have victory because of a weak faith. Are you like that tonight? Is that your position tonight? Oh, you believe in God, but you're trembling and you're fearful because your faith is weak and not strong enough to trust in this sovereign God that is the creator of this universe. So not only do we see a fearful, trembling Israel, but we see a strong and quiet David. You know, it's always interesting that when we are gripped with fear that we're trembling, there's no peace, there's no comfort, there's no settledness in our life. But here is this young lad, this young boy, David, standing before this mighty warrior, Goliath. And as Israel is fearful and trembling because their faith is weak, David is strong and very quiet in soul and spirit because he has a faith to believe that the power of God is sufficient to move in his life. And so we fit into one or two of those categories Either, either we're living in a sweet, quiet spirit and resting in the power of Almighty God, or we're trembling in fear because of a lack of faith to believe that God is sovereignly in control of all things. The Philistines are encamped on one side of the valley, and the Israelites are on the other side. May I say this? You're either on one side or the other. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, I'm going to be on the Philistine side. I'm going to be on the world side on certain issues, and then on other issues, I'll be on the Lord's side. 
you know, the, you know the, they, Joshua would cry out, who is on the Lord's side? The amazing thing is, is God confronts us with the reality of the enemy that is always standing in opposition to us. But in order to have the victory, you have to decide whose side are you on. You can't have it both ways. So the Philistines are encamped on one side of the valley, the Israelites on the other side of the valley. The Philistines sent out their champion. Their champion was Goliath. Their champion stood approximately 12 feet tall. Now you think with me about David, this young boy, going out and standing against this giant of a man simply with faith that God can deliver him and set him free. Uh, Goliath places a challenge to uh, David, uh, I'm sorry, to Israel in 1 Samuel 17, all the way back in verse 8 and 9. And here's the challenge that he gives. He stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, now picture this with me. Here are the Philistines on one side of the valley and the Israelites on the other side of the valley. And in the middle in the valley, here comes this giant of a man. This man is a mighty warrior and reputation with the people of Philistines that is instilling fear in the hearts of the Israelites. And he comes and he cries unto them and said, why are you come out to set your battle in array? He's mocking them. So why are you saying you got to have faith in God? Why are, you, why are you coming out here and trying to display that there's a God in heaven that can take care of you? Why are you come out here to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and ye the servants of Saul? Yeah, that's a good message right there. What are you tonight? Are you a Philistine? Are you the servant of Jesus Christ? And so he cries out, am I not a Philistine? He was not ashamed to identify with his people, the Philistines. He was not ashamed to present himself as a mighty warrior. And he said, ye are the servants of Saul. Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. He said, he's basically saying, you're all afraid to come down here and fight against us, so just choose one. Just send one person down here to fight against me. Verse 9, it says, if you be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will you be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. He literally is making a challenge to the Israelites to put it all on the line. It's all or nothing. My goodness, can we take and develop a message or thought about that? The Christian is supposed to give all or nothing. We live all out for Christ or we live nothing for Christ. Either you're all in with Christ or you're all in with the world. And so, old Goliath, he puts the challenge out. Come on. Uh, you don't want to fight. You're afraid as a mighty army. It's supposed to be the army of God, and you're trembling, and you're fearful because your faith is weak. Well, listen, just send one out here. And none of you have to fight. You can go hide in the corner. Just send one out here. And if I kill him, you're all my servants. 
If he kill, me, kills me, then we're all your servants. He puts it all on the line. Let me ask you something. Are you willing to put it all on the line for God? Are you willing to put it all on the line for Christ? You say, I don't know if I can. I can do that. David, just a lad, all he took was his faith and five smooth stones for one stone to be put in his sling to bring the giant down that was against them. First of all, I see this. There's three things I think. I think I got three things. I don't know. I'm going to keep preaching. The Lord keeps giving me more points as I'm preaching, so never know how it'll come out. First of all, I see that David had courage. Notice in verse 45, it says, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. David had courage. These are days where we need to have courage. We're facing fearful things. People are afraid. You know, we need to get our country opened back up. I'm going to be preaching about some of this stuff later on. But there's things that we have to do. There's things that we have to do to get on with life. But people are scared to death to do it. It's time for us to take heart and take courage that God, if God be for us, who can stand against us? Uh, there's no virus that can defeat us. There's no army that can defeat us. There is no movement that can defeat us when we trust in the living God. And we need to have the courage to believe that God is bigger and God is stronger than the enemy that we're looking at. So David had courage. Notice something about David's courage. I thought about this. Danger brings out courage. There's no need to try to exercise that you're brave or the exercise that you're courageous if there's no opposition or no problem that you have to overcome. It is when dangers abound that those like David will rise up and demonstrate great courage. You know, the three Hebrew children had courage in the midst of danger. They were told to have to bow down to the image that was made or else be thrown in the fiery furnace. And it's an amazing thing that they were not afraid to take a stand and trust God even though they might be thrown in the fiery furnace because they knew that God would be with them and God would take care of them in Daniel chapter 3 in verse 16. It says here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Notice that they were very respectful to the king. A lot of times people think courage is being disrespectful to those that are in position of authority. That has nothing to do with courage. Courage is being able to show respect and honor those that are in position of authority without compromising who you are. And so they said, we're not careful to, be, uh, to answer the oak in this matter. In verse 17, they said, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. See, they had courage. The courage to be able to believe that God was greater than the danger that they are facing. And saints of God, I want you to have courage tonight to know that God is greater than the dangers that we are facing in the world that we are living in right now. 
and we just need to demonstrate the character of God. You know, I like the old movie Wizard of Oz. And I remember when I was a kid, every year they would have that come on television. I always liked watching that. But I liked the uh, lion. The lion needed courage. And uh, it's amazing. I always loved that thing. We did a VBS one year, and we played off of that theme of the Wizard of Oz. And, and uh, the amazing thing is I, I actually was a character. I played the cowardly lion, and I needed courage, amen. And that was a lot of fun. But listen, beyond the fun, beyond the storyline, is when dangers hit, that's when you find out how much backbone you have and how much courage you have. When the dangers abound, that's when you find out, is your faith growing or is your faith anemic? And so here is David along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when danger came on the scene, courage grew up in their hearts as they would say. These were young children, teenagers, that took a stand for God in the midst of danger. So danger brings out courage. We see that in the Hebrew children. We see that also in Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, in verse 10, that Daniel had courage to kneel and pray uh, though there was danger all around him. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, and he went to his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before the, his God as he did aforetime. When dangers abound, Courage, courage blossoms. When dangers oppress, courage will rise through the faith that we have in the believing in our God. So I see David had courage. Why? Because danger brings out our courage. People you would think would never take a stand for God, would never accomplish something when they come time to fight the enemy, will rise up and do things that are unheard of. Why? Because of courage. Let's have courage like Daniel had courage, as David had courage, as Shagrad, Meshach, and Abednego had courage. When danger not only brings out courage, but danger exposes our weaknesses. And, uh, you know, Peter was strong when Jesus bid him to come out on the water. They saw Jesus walking on the water, and Peter's cry was, Lord, if it be thee, bid me come. And Jesus just says to him, come. And as he goes out on the water, walking on the water, and I, listen, Peter has greater faith than I have. There's no way I just stepped out of that boat. And, uh, but the amazing thing is, Peter steps out of the boat, and he's walking toward Jesus. But the Bible says, when he saw that the waves were boisterous, he began to sink. What happened? Danger exposes our weaknesses. I believe every one of us have strengths that we've been able to experience in growing in faith, and we have a certain amount of courage. But I'll guarantee you, every one of us have a weakness when the dangers abound that will be exposed because they show our weakness as Peter started to sink into the sea. You know, the disciples were courageous 
until the soldiers took Jesus. You know, a lot of people can talk about a lot of things, but what happens, listen, what happens when they come to your house and knock on your door and say, I'm taking you out of here because you say you're a Christian? What happens when you start exercising your faith and believe in God and serving God and worshiping God and then they come to take you away? Is there still going to be faith in Christ? Or won't there? Listen, I'm praying about opening our church up. It's not going to happen for a few weeks yet. I'm praying for wisdom. I'm praying for understanding about how we can gather back again together. Uh, But I'm going to tell you one thing right now. We need to have faith to believe that when danger abounds, that we have courage to excel. And I'm going to tell you, when the dangers come, that starts exposing our weak points. So danger brings out courage. Danger exposes our weakness. And we need courage today. If you're still working on your job, you need courage to believe that God can protect you against this virus. You're still working, you're still a part of uh, uh, the job force, then you need courage to believe that God can help you to be a testimony of the grace of God. Your friend, when you're with your friends, that's kind of difficult to do with the social distancing and everything we can, but maybe you can stand on one side of the road and then on the other side of the road and shout over to them, Amen. You got to have courage to believe. We need to be courageous enough to witness by the grace of God. It's with the sovereign God of heaven that we can experience the courage of God to move through us as David had courage. I like what like Winston Churchill said. He said this, listen to this. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And oftentimes, I remember uh, uh, years ago, I heard old preacher say, it's not about how many times you get knocked down, it's about how many times you get back up again. And yes, there may be danger that requires of us to show courage, and the danger may expose the weak points in our faith when we have to go through those dangerous times. But wait a minute. It is not about, oh, I've been successful, and so my life is over. I'm done fighting the battle. No, success is not the end. Yeah, but you don't understand. I failed. I denied the Lord. I turned my back on God. Failure is not fatal. It is about whether you got the courage to get up again and keep going on for Jesus Christ. I read this anonymous quote, said this, Courage doesn't mean you don't get afraid. Courage means you don't let fear stop you. And all of us are afraid of something. All of us are afraid of situations that we're dealing with in our world that we live in. But I want you to know this. Fear does not mean you can't be courageous. Because in the midst of fear, God can give you strength of heart to be courageous to trust him once again. So David had courage to stand against Goliath. Number two, I see this. David had a memory. Notice back in verse 34, 
He says, And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and, and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David had a memory. Remember your failures when you uh, depend on yourself. We need memory. We need to remember when we try to do it ourselves, remember we fail. You know, the cock crowing uh, when Peter denied the Lord I'm going to tell you, I just wonder how long the sound of that cock crowing rang in the ears of Peter. And many times what we need to do is allow the memories of the past in reference to our failures because we tried to stand on our own, ring in our ears and remind us of that failure. So we will not repeat that again. I often wonder about Samson, about the boasting words of Samson. Samson must have haunted him when he was in the mill. I, I don't know about you. There's things I've said in the past that at different times I can't get it out of my mind. And it's like the devil just wants to use it to destroy me and remind me of my failures. Well, no, at the time of when I remember my failures, it puts me on guard and a warning that I'm not going to depend on myself anymore. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It's not I can do all things through my education. It's not I can do all things because I'm physically fit. That never worked for me. It's not about the fact I can do all things because I'm very influential with people. No, when we take a position like that, we always fail. And, and David is simply saying this, there's a, a lion and a bear that came and they tried to take a lamb out of the flock, but I remembered that I went after them and I defeated that lion and I defeated that bear and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to defeat this Philistine also. So I think we need to remember our failures when we depend on self because that'll keep us from depending on ourselves. But I also believe we need the memory where we remember our victories when we depend on God. I can think through my life of many times where I've failed, and it was totally because of myself, my own decisions that I've made. But then when I've gone to God in prayer and believed and trusted and, and depended on God and did not run ahead of God, then there was times of great victory. And David's remembering back of his experience that he went through. And I just thought about Moses. And think about Moses. Uh, when they were fighting and, and murmuring and griping and complaining about Moses' leadership, I would no doubt think that Moses thought back, you know, when we came to the Red Sea and the armies of Egypt was hot on our trail and we were trapped and there was nowhere to go, God opened the Red Sea and we went across on dry ground. And as we witnessed and as we watched the Egyptian armies coming across the, on dry ground, uh, coming down the same path that we went down, God swallowed them up. 
And so David is saying this, I know I can depend on the God who has delivered the lion and the bear into my hand. He'll deliver this Philistine into my hand also. The devil will try to remind you of your failures, but God wants you to remember your successes. And so I think of Moses. I think of Joshua. What an amazing thing it must have been when Joshua went across the Jordan River. Thinking of Joshua being with Moses and being one of the spies who saw the promised land that flowed with milk and honey and being outvoted by the crowd. And, uh, and they would have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years and God would direct Moses that he was not able to go into the promised land, but Joshua would take the children of Israel across the Jordan, and as they would come in the Jordan, there was a mighty city of Jericho with its great stone walls, but God would break down the walls. I'm just saying this, there's places of success and victory that you have experienced that when fear grips your heart, there's not only courage that gets you up and keeps you going, but it's a memory of God's victories in your life that keeps you going. I see the last thought here, and not only did David have courage and David uh, had a memory, but I see that David had faith. In verse 47, in that chapter where we've been studying, 1 Samuel 17, 47, it says, And all this assembly shall know the Lord saveth not with sword, and spear. Every time I read that, I just think of this, that God doesn't do things the way we think he ought to do things. He said, I want you to know that God doesn't save with a sword and a spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my, our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to, to meet David, that David hastened and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. I'm excited about David because of the fact that he didn't just kind of drag his feet and lollygag up there. I mean, he saw the enemy. He saw where the battle was. He saw what needed to be done, and he went and got it done. He ran to the Philistines. You know, I remember I was in the Marine Corps. That was back many years ago. That was back when I was a lean, green fighting machine. That's what they told me anyway. But they trained us, and for in battle, uh, you charge. You yell and you shout and you make all kinds of noise and you run against the enemy. Go after them. That's what David's doing here. He's not trying to figure out a tactic where he can go around and come up on the side and sneak in the back. or whatever. He just ran to him right face on. So I see that when he runs to fight Goliath, he just simply used what he had. He had a bag that had five stones in it. And he had a sling. And all he did was reach into the bag and take one of those stones out. And he slings that stone into the forehead of Goliath and he's defeated. Use what God has given you. Your talent might not be the talent of somebody else. I love listening to high tenors sing. I love singing in quartets. I like singing the bass part. But I'm telling you, when those tenors hit those high notes, boy, I'm like, oh, man, i got to try to do that. Man, there's been many a time over the years I've gotten songs uh, because of somebody sang. It was so good. And I was like, I can do that, and I can't hit those high notes. I don't know. Brother Petzrozello might be able to hit them. I don't know. But I can't hit those high notes. 
And uh, I, I have trouble singing the hymns sometimes because they're written too high for me. I need to be down low. Amen. And good old bass notes. Bass is the foundation. Amen. But anyway, oh, um, he used what he had. I can't minister to people trying to be something that I'm not. I can't minister to people by trying to use things that I do not have. I mean, you you would be in bad shape if when you came to church, you would hear me just constantly trying to sing some high tenor song. You'd say, boy, I tell you what, that sounds like a screeching hen that's about ready to be butchered for meat, amen? And so we got to use what we have, what talent God has given you, what resources God has given you. Listen, if God is in it, little is much when God is in it. So he used what he had. Notice he ran to the Philistines. He went right into the face of Goliath. He faced the opposition. You don't defeat the enemy by running away. You defeat the enemy by going forward and facing the enemy. So he faced the opposition. He let God take control. He says, for the battle is the Lord's. Uh, he was not embarrassed about the fact that God was going to fight the battle for him. And so when we need faith and five smooth stones, we just need to believe that God is the one who is absolutely in control. You know, Corey Tinboom said this, Faith is like radar that sees through the fog, the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. Now, I'm going to tell you this, Goliath standing before David could not see how David was going to defeat him. This mighty warrior Goliath could not understand that this young boy could come in his presence with no shield, with no helmet, with no sword, with no battle experience, and that he was going to defeat this mighty Philistine. But David, through faith, could see beyond what the human eye can see. And I want to encourage you tonight to have faith like David to see beyond what the human eye can see. We walk by faith and not by sight. And things that we look around us are gloomy. We can look at all the statistics of all the people who have died because of COVID-19 and we become despaired. We can look at the trends and the sufferings. You realize how many deaths have taken place in the last 43 days since we've been dealing with COVID-19 that nobody's reporting on. And you can look at all those things and say, it just can't happen. God can't give the victory. I cannot have success. I cannot have strength. Wait a minute. Faith lets you see beyond what the eye can see. Oswald Chambers said, faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. I don't know where God's leading us, and I don't know what God's going to do, but I have faith, I have a love, and I know that God knows what is right, God knows what is best, and the Lord can direct and lead us every step of the way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and so through faith we do it. I like what Jack Hiles said. He said, faith 
is the willingness to risk anything on God. Do you have faith to risk your life on God? Many people never go on the mission field because they're afraid of losing their life. Many a person won't do anything to minister within the church because they're afraid they can't be effective. Wait a minute, faith is a willingness to risk anything on God. I've often said over the years that if God doesn't come through, uh, then we have no hope. Because everything that I am, everything that I believe, everything that I live, everything that I preach, everything that I communicate depends on God coming through, not on Mike Weigel accomplishing anything. So he had faith. And in the end, in verse 50 and 51, he had victory. It says, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in his hand. Do you realize, do you realize this? There wasn't one person on the side of the Israelites. There wasn't one person on the sides of the Philistines. The mighty armies on both sides of the valley the multitudes that were standing there and watching this whole event un unravel in front of their eyes. Not one person, not one person believed that David was going to win that battle. But it says that David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in, in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. If we can be people of faith like David is, people would tremble and flee from the reality of our God because he's so strong and so powerful. Let me ask you tonight, what, what do you need courage over? What do you need God to remind you of of what he can do in your life? What, how, how strong is your faith tonight? We need to slay the giants in our life. Maybe a giant of fear. It seems like fear is just constantly being presented. Fear, fear. Christians, you don't need to be fearful. It's a giant that's robbing you of the joy of the Lord. Anxiety is a mighty Goliath fighting against us and robbing us from the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's a giant that needs to be slain. Bitterness of heart needs to be overcome. Discouragement that's consuming us because we are limited in what we can do and where we can go and what we can experience and that discouragement is developing into anger and jealousy, and resentment. It culminates with discontentment. The Apostle Paul said, I've learned, I've learned to do what? To be content with such things that I have. And it is a learning process to be content through faith with what God's doing in my life. That means when you get sick, can you be satisfied and content with God? 
That means when you fail and you stumble and you fall, can you be satisfied and content with God? When you're successful, can you still trust God and believe God? Because you know it's not of you, it's of Christ and Christ alone. And so you don't want to lose your discontent, you don't want to be discontent with your life. These are all giants that we face every day of our life. And I believe that God can give us courage through faith. I believe that God can remind us of years gone by where God's given us the victory. And I believe with all my heart that our, our, our faith can increase and abound as we trust in the living God. I hope that's been a help to you tonight. Uh, I hope that it will be a, a means of encouragement to you. I hope that you might see that the future is as bright as the promises of God. And yes, our faith can abound to the great move of God in deliverances in our life. Please make sure to have faith in believing as you pray for our, those on our prayer sheet uh, in a few moments and the rest throughout the rest of the week. Uh, pray in faith believing that all things are possible to him that believeth. Let's pray together. My Father, I come to you. I thank you so much. Uh, you're a wonderful God. You're a gracious God. I'm thankful, Lord, that we can be saved and know that we're saved. I'm thankful that we can have hope even when it seems like the world is hopeless. I'm thankful that David stood against all opposition and all odds were stacked against him and all people abandoned him and no one had faith that he could, believe, that he could defeat the giant, but he did. So give us that kind of faith, Lord. It reminds us of the power of God that gives victory and that faith that can build courage in us to stand when we feel like just letting go and falling down. Strengthen us and build us up and bless us, O oh God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.